The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, October 1st, 2018, season 14, episode number 50. Welcome to another edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And we're ready to talk some Cowboys football. Cowboys get a big win yesterday. They moved to 2-2 two and two, uh, with a win over the Detroit Lions, 26-24. A game that came down to the wire. Uh, Dak Prescott had a uh, game-winning drive. Uh, Brett Maher had a uh, game-winning field goal. Everything in that game seemed to look up for the Cowboys. So we're going to paint that rosy picture for you today. I'm sure Dave will have some things that the Cowboys can improve on. Why even me? after a win. Why me? Just It fits with the personality, right? I mean, you, you tend to be one that kind of brings brings realism back to uh, to moments when we kind of get a little bit ahead of ourselves, right? I want to argue with you, but yeah, you're right. So <laughs> All right, good. Go ahead. So we're going to talk about that, and uh, we'll talk about what went right and wrong for the Cowboys, and then we'll get into Nick's five plays that you should not overlook, uh, and these are the plays that were otherwise not necessarily grand in and, un- in and of themselves, but what happened as a result of those plays or did not happen to happen as a result of those plays and why they were significant to the game. Um, and the outcome. So we'll do all that uh, throughout the show. Let's first jump right in. And as we do every Monday, I want to hear from each of you guys. What's the storyline of this game? What's the thing you walk away from this game thinking that you know better about this team? We'll start first with Dave. Um, I don't think I know anything about this team that I didn't already know. Uh, My main storyline coming out of today is Good or yesterday, good things can happen when you make a dedicated effort to put the ball in the hands of your absolute best player. Um, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott did whatever he wanted to on the ground. He's also as involved as he's ever been in the passing game. Another screen pass to the house uh, to get things going, and then shocker of shockers, throw to the ball, throwing the ball down the field to set up the game-winning field goal. He can do those types of things. He doesn't get the chance often enough. I was very happy to see that. Um, and then, you know, Dak Prescott played like a good quarterback. He played like the guy that we've seen him play like for what, 25 games over the course of his rookie year and part of last year. We hadn't seen it to this point. Um, and it's encouraging because I don't think he has to do that much differently to be that guy. Um, you know, it's one game, but it was really encouraging to see that again. I think I said yesterday, this is that's what I expected the Dallas offense to look like in the preseason. Not a you know, not this like world beating passing game, but you got enough complimentary players to make plays centered around the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is an all pro best in the league caliber talent. Uh, That's what it looked like. Amber. It was encouraging. Okay. Amber. Fine. Sorry, no, man. No, no, it's cool. Right. Fine. Go ahead. Jeez. Let's all chill out for a second. Amber speaking now. No. What you got, Amber? <laughs> no. Um, well, not to take away um, seek greatness, but he was playing against one of the worst run defenses. But even then. So I, basically what I'm trying to say, I'm not surprised that he had the kind of su- success that he had. One of the things that I enjoyed like uh, watching was Dak Prescott being able to make those throws. And even though he didn't make all of them, still, it's good to see him attempt making them. And, and again, he is able to make certain throws. But 
just being able to watch the confidence and just to be able to feel okay with like risking it and throwing the pass that was exciting to, to see and i want to keep seeing that Nick. Sean Lee, they didn't have Sean Lee. They did a nice job without him. They won a game without Sean. Evander Esch looked like he was a good uh, addition there. He looks like you a kept good telling pick. me that throughout the game. You were like, man, that kid's playing. Yeah, his butt off. they'll yeah. they'll they'll get a, give him more tackles than what I'm um, four or five or six, whatever they gave him. Six they'll give him more than that. He he, I thought he had a lot more than that. Demarcus Lawrence, they didn't get any good. They didn't get a lot of pass rush, but he actually did. I mean, he had three sacks and he had some big plays, but they did. I don't think they got a lot of pass rush. But it certainly looked like with him. They won a game without him. Their defense was iffy at times, but they were able to win. We're going to get into all those topics. I think the first one I want to start with is Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, he was the player of the game for the Cowboys yesterday. And and without his effort, I don't know that they win that game. Um, he, he was the first player in the NFL this season uh, to have over 200 yards from scrimmage. He had, uh, he had a total of 240 yards total uh, from scrimmage. First to do it in the NFL this season. That's the third of his career, which ties him for the lead uh, since 2016 of any player uh, to have three um, in three total games uh, where he's had over 200 yards total yardage. What was the difference yesterday? Was it the offensive line? Was it just, as Amber alluded to, was it that you're playing a team that the run defense just isn't very good? Um, was it that that the play calling maybe helped him because they they were throwing the ball downfield a little bit more yesterday? What do you think it was that really helped Zeke yesterday be able to have the stellar day that he did? I was think it, oh, go ahead. It was the best coaching you know job that we've seen so far for, from this team. I mean, I, they get we killed all the time when they lose. They did a really nice job uh, with with a lot of things during, during the game. Yeah, down there late in the game, they almost lost it by not giving him the ball maybe more. But I thought for the most part they called a good game and. You know, no one wants to hear this, but they managed the game well, too. Jason Garrett, I mean, he managed the game. It, we only talk about it on losses, but they did a nice job of doing just enough, bleeding the clock to the point where, you know, not getting in a hurry after a Zeke play. I thought the coaching staff should, should get a little bit of credit for this one. Combination, I mean, you know, worst run defense in the league. I don't think you can look past that, which is funny because Dak had, you know, this nice day against the best pass defense in the league. I think Three games is not a great sample size to determine who's the best. Three games is a pretty good sample size to determine if you're the worst. You know what I mean? I mean, if everybody you play can run for 160 to 190. And by the way, these were not premier running backs that were doing this to them other than this week. It wasn't like they were facing Gurley. Isaiah Crowell, Sony Michelle, and and Matt Breda in San Francisco. So, yeah, absolutely. Who are you? You absolutely, you absolutely have to look so at that. My fantasy team, actually. Uh, you got to look at that. But having said that, I mean, the commitment, I mean, he got the 25 carries. People were clamoring for him. But to go back to my point, you know, 16 rushes in Seattle is not the reason why they lost. It, you know, if you, run, if you run for 160, you should be able to win in the NFL. I still believe that. I, I'll say it again. I'm so happy that he got involved in the passing game. A quote from, from Dak really stood out to me after the game because he's like well we saw we saw Zeke matched up one-on-one with a linebacker and I'll take that matchup every day well can we see it more then yeah because you can you can create that yeah like you should be able to yeah and that's you know again they did create that huh they did create yeah that. I'm saying but that's no, that's but the truth no. like they can create I know that. that's the thing and we're going to talk about five plays but what's not on there is the play before the 30 yard is it 30 yard pass to Zeke the the, the, the last final? one of the Thir- game 38 38 yeah that one the play before that, Zeke lines up in the slot, does nothing. Just kind of does like a two-yard out, turns around, nothing. 
And it was a pass over the middle, almost intercepted. Next play, same spot, he just runs by the guy. So that was a nice job of kind of setting that up a little bit and go, all right, we're going to put Zeke out there. He's not going to do anything. And then he goes and they win the game. Wait, and, and that's awesome, which, as usual, I haven't had time to rewatch the game. I plan on doing that. Um, but that's these are things that your all-pro running back should be doing on a weekly basis. And that's I don't he doesn't need to run the ball 30 times to win, but he needs to touch the ball somewhere around 25, 30 times, receiving, running, all that good stuff. Uh, he's that type of back. And with the other talent and the skill positions on this offense, he has to be. He so, needs to be this type of engine for this team to be good. That being said, yesterday after the game, he looked like he was beat up pretty good. And, and so <laughs> it begs the question, as everybody expects and wants to see more of him because they feel like that's the necessary thing you have to do, is it practical to assume that the Cowboys can give him 30 touches per game or is he going to end up and, and him actually be able to make it through a season because he did not look good after that game. He was he was limping pretty good, and it seemed like that was something that happened to him early in the game. So obviously it didn't yeah. affect his production, but over 16 weeks, that's a lot of pounding. It was surprising. To, I mean, you've never seen that with Zeke where you know he was coming in and out of the game, he was limping. That's not something that we're used to, but he's 24 I, I, I'm okay right now. I think he can handle it, especially he hasn't been getting that kind of workload the first three weeks either. So, well, you know, and we don't need to talk about <clears throat> what they're going to do after the season, but you know, there's some, been some talk about giving him a new contract at the end of this year. Do you want to take this three years and make it, you know, five more years on top of that, make him an eight year type player. Um, and if that happens, then that's something you need to kind of think about in the long haul. Now, there has been some talk about getting him for five years and just see what happens after that, almost running him into the ground, which is, you know, we had an argument about this on our show, I think, back at training camp. I don't yeah. think you were on that. Yeah. Nate was on that. Nate was. It was me and Nate against you, I believe. Right. And, yeah. you know, which I, way did it line up? Nick, Nick is trying to preserve him, and me and Nate were like, he's a 25, four year old running back. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Let's yeah. do this. I mean, there's got to be a combination of you know both in the middle, but you know to be limping like that and still run the you know down the yeah. field and make that play, that was probably his Dak's best throw though of the game, don't you think? I mean, because yes. this isn't like Hearns or Gallup that is that's what they do. They go up and make plays that have to be right there. For, if it's a running back, you kind of have to put it right there. Yep. But see, I think you have a really good backup in Rod Smith that you're able to give Zeke a little bit of rest and help him out where you don't have to 100% rely on Zeke and put all the weight just on him. You can balance it out just enough or just perfectly to where you're giving him a little bit of rest, but at the same time getting a good amount of production from Rod Smith. It's 25 to 6 in the carries, but most teams or a lot of teams are going to do that in the more of a 20 to 11, 20 to 10 range. Do you do you want that out of Rod Smith and Zeke? Because I, I think I will, most fans would say no. I will say this, though. If if I'm getting If you're getting production touches, from Dak, though. If, if I'm getting a few more touches for Zeke in the passing game, I'm okay with that because I feel like right now they're underutilizing him in the passing game. So if they give him a few more touches that happen in the passing game and they take a few of those carries that, that he would normally have and give them to Rod Smith, I'm all good with that. I agree. Yeah. And you would like to think he will likely take less of a pounding as a receiver yes. than as a runner. Which, yeah, I mean, this is an awesome start, and you can't expect them to have 88 and a touchdown in the passing game every week, but four to six receptions for 40 to 60 yards 
per week is and can be doable. Like that's every other elite running back in the league does that. Um, and so I hope that this is a trend that continues. You know, I, I, he had a lot of different stats, a lot of milestones yesterday. Uh, like you said, first one to get 200 yards in a game. Um, but you know, I thought in Cowboys history, 150 yards, that's a, that's a really good day. It's not like unbelievable. It's a good day. 150 yards, 75 receiving. 100, 150 rushing, 75 receiving, and it's never been it's never been done before. I thought that really, was a, yeah, that's thought, shocking. Yeah, I thought that was a, a good one. You know, Herschel Emmett, Walker, yeah. even Emmett, you know, to have a few screens and stuff yeah. like that. Dorsett, you know, but for 150, you're doing your job as a runner. But then also, seven, and he had 88. Wow, that's amazing. So I thought that was a stat that was pretty interesting. It, it's absolutely phenomenal. And that's, I mean, as many crazy days as he's had, it says a lot that he's never done something like that. But I, I looked but that it also from, just talks about how much they haven't utilized him in the passing game which, like they should. And I don't mean this as disrespect, because honestly, I thought there were so many unsung heroes in the passing game. I, I want to write something about, given the small sample size of, opportunities that he's had i think the world of the small role that alan hearns is playing right now like it seems like every catch he makes is contested and it converts a first down it doesn't look i mean he's got 81 receiving yards on the season it's not like he's heading for the pro bowl but uh point being with these types of players in the passing game i think you need that and that's what we've talked about this whole time is zeke needs to be playing like this for this offense to function yep which that probably says something else about, you know, we need to. <laughs> but we knew that. No, I mean, exactly. That. That's we how it was that. built. It yes. was built like that. Yes. Right. Yes. Do you have something there? No, I was just going to say, if I looked it up from the Cowboys history and you should look up NFL and just see what, where that would have been. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's happened. I'm assuming Marshall Falk has done Marshall that. Marshall Falk probably does, does <laughs> Seemed that. Seemed like that was a regular now. stat line. For LT's him. probably done that I'm a few assuming, times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about a Dak Prescott. Um, and just by the note, by the way, a little side note for you guys that are in the Dallas area this afternoon. Dak will actually be out here at the Star and available for fans to come out, take pictures, get autographs. Um, he's going to be promoting his new Dak collection, um, it's, which all the proceeds will go to the Faith Finish Fight Foundation um, that he has uh, in support of breast cancer awareness. Um, so he'll be out here from 4 to 5.30 this afternoon if you're in the area and want to come by. But... Talking about how he played yesterday, he was 17 of 27, 63% completion uh, rate, 255 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 118.6. And I thought really the the highlight of his day, in my opinion, was the three downfield throws he had. And the reason why was not so much because obviously one of me connected on uh, that that was a uh, that was a really big play for them in the game to Gallup, um, and obviously the game uh, the play to probably win the game. Uh, to Zeke downfield, but I was just as impressed with the throw he threw to Tavon in the end zone because all three of those throws, not only were they downfield, but they were throws that were right on the money. Even the throw to Tavon, Tavon probably should have caught that. It would have been a bit of a tough catch, but he put all those throws right where they needed to be, right on the money. And to me, that was that started to change my opinion a little bit on what I'd started to think about Dak from the standpoint of his ability to really be able to be accurate downfield. How do you guys feel about his performance and about the ability to get the ball downfield yesterday? I don't think the question has ever been, can he do it? I think it's more how constant can he be with it? And we've seen this before. I'm not I'm not surprised to see these kind of kinds of throws from him because I've seen that happen. The point is, how constant can you be? How much longer can you keep doing this for? And to me, yesterday, I'm excited. And I was getting a lot of fans on Twitter last night just 
talking so much crap still. Like there, there's always someone wanting to talk crap about everything. But quit talking crap. Enjoy this win. Dak did good. He made throws. The receivers had some fall at not catching the ball, like the Tavon one, but that was perfect. That basically landed almost in Tavon's hands. I don't know if it was perfect, but it's it looked perfect. It to was me. where it needs to be. It's well, and that I mean, it's in tight coverage. It's Dak. It's it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not. I mean, he's not going to just it's, drop it in a bucket from forty yards out. I mean, that's no. not the right receiver to be running that pass, in my opinion. Because he's too little. The ball. By the time the ball gets down to him, you anybody's go up and get that ball. I mean, you're five eight. So by the time it comes down into your hands, yeah, an all pro cornerback like Darius Slay is going to knock it out. Like that to me, that's not the right play. Great pass, but that's a very low percentage pass. I'd, I'd rather throw the ball up to Rico. But three Slay times. didn't really knock it out. I mean, it put was his most... hand in there. Put his hand. Yeah, I mean, he got in between the player and the ball. He and, did, and he got it. Also, a hundred and seventy-five pound player. You know who? I mean, just that's not Tavon Austin's thing is to go deep and make that type of contested play. His plays open field and stuff like that. Good, good throw. You know where it needed to be, but that they thought they could steal one on Slay, and and he did a nice job of getting back in there. I think the encouraging thing for me, and also baffling, is we didn't see Dak do a single thing that he's never done before. Um, he, you know, he took what he threw the, the ball to Zeke that set up the game winner might be the best throw of his career. It's certainly, throw, it's yeah. certainly in, in the conversation. Uh, but the ball to Tavon was, I mean, it was where it needed to be. It was a good throw. It wasn't like this just unbelievable dime. Uh, same thing goes for the Gallup ball. Like he can be accurate on those throws. He's the Gallup ball. You didn't think that was a perfect throw. I mean, it, he put it right where he had to get it. It was a good throw. Like it's not leading sports center. That's all I'm trying. It was a good throw. I it, think to me, maybe calling it perfect comes from the fact that we don't see many of these throws happening from Dak. Dak. Is it Aaron Rodgers perfect? No, of course not. That goes back. Dak to perfect. My, that goes yeah. back to my point. Like Dak's, you know, he's got to take three or four of these per game, and you need him to hit on probably half of them, and he did yesterday. But. Yeah. Did you okay the Zeke throw, but the Gallup throw was it something you've never seen him do before? Not necessarily, but like Amber said, I don't think I've done it, seen it with consistency Absolutely. for these last 10, 11, 12 games. That's that's the the thing that yesterday I felt like for all three of those downfield throws to me he placed the ball right where he needed to place it. Now again, some of them aren't going to always yeah. those are, those are hard passes to complete, but especially when the receivers and in all three of those instances except for maybe the Zeke one. They, were, they didn't have a lot of separation. I mean, it had to be right on point. And that's why I love the Gallup throw, because although you say it wasn't like this miraculous throw, it was right where it had to be, and the defender was only a step behind him. So if it was not placed right in the perfect position, I don't know that he can come up with that catch. I thought his two best plays, though, were an incomplete pass and a nine-yard throw to Beasley. You know, I, I thought those that pass to Beasley... And it's one of those five plays that we talked about, but it's that was a great play for for uh, by him because he had the patience to wait for Beasley to get open, and then he had to just revert into some maybe some old baseball playing days and just sidearm that thing in there like that. I thought that was a great throw. That's the kind of stuff. This these these deep balls. This is what we see in Pat and Go. That's kind of what they do. Get the ball, throw it deep. But when things break down, what can you do in the pocket like that? I completely sorry. Go ahead. I th- I just say that. To me, the nine-yard throw to, to Beasley to set up fourth and one, I thought that was really big. I complete. I couldn't agree more. I, the deep ball is a crucial element of football. You got to be able to hit them, and more importantly, you got to take the shots. Like yeah. they didn't throw downfield once against Seattle. They didn't even try. That's worth mentioning and criticizing. But like 
It's four or five throws a game. I don't care about that remotely as much as I care about that, setting up the fourth and one to convert. And then, uh, yeah, how about second and 11, where it looked like it might be going south, and he finds Beasley for 19 yards. Like, having the uh, the poise to hang in there and make those types of throws, like, that's what keeps this offense moving, not these deep shots. Again, I, it's important. There's a place for it, but to make those types of decisions. And then, yeah, I mean, I can't believe we got – almost 20 minutes into the show and we haven't talked about that throwaway. I mean, the game's over if he doesn't get that ball. And even if, if he just falls on it, the game's still probably over because now it's second or third and 20-something. Which is what I think they teach you to do. You know, they, just, fall they, just following that ball down there. Like We've been that. used to watching Tony Romo for it's, years, so we don't assume that. It's true. <laughs> we assume you pick it up and you try to make a play. Second right? and three from the Dallas 32. Dak recovers at the 19. So if he just falls on the ball, you're talking about like second and end of drive, third and seventh. D- right done. Yeah. Done. You have to call timeout, which they're pinning the their day. they're pinning their ears back on the third down. You're just gonna have to throw up a prayer. Instead, you know, I I hesitate to compare it to Romo because Romo did some crazy stuff yeah. in situations Saint like Louis that. St. Louis is but, what comes to mind. But, I mean, <laughs> the wherewithal. The game's over if he doesn't play that exactly the way he did. And right. for him to have the poise to do it was incredible. Um, All right. Let's take our yeah, first sorry. break. When we come back, uh, I do want to talk about this defense. It was the first time that we've seen them this season where it looked like they were a little bit more on the ropes than they've been so far in the first three games. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. If you're like me and you love... I mean, if you have a thing, then cutting the cord is scary. But then I found out I could switch to DirecTV now and still get the live sports I love. No satellite needed, no bulky hardware, no annual contract. Just... Get the live sports you love. Try DirecTV now for $10 a month for three months. Visit DirecTVnow.com. DirecTV Now. More for your thing. That's our thing. Use code REALDEAL. Limited time. Price for a little, little package. After three months, we use monthly at full price. Currently minimum $40 unless canceled. Prices may change. New subscribers only. Cancel any time. Content varies by package and may be limited. Restrictions apply. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk. Talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and of course with yours truly me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. While a player can look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than specs and features as well. you got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. To experience one for yourself, visit your local Texas John Deere dealer or go to myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Talking about the Cowboys' big win yesterday, 26-24 at at and Stadium over the Detroit Lions. Uh, we've talked about the offense quite a bit. Uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I'll start first with the quarterback, Matthew Stafford. He was 24-30, 80% completion rate. That's a really, really great number. 
307 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 131.5 quarterback rating. All in all, a good day. You look at his three top wide receivers, Golden Tate had eight catches for 132 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Kenny Galladay had four catches for 74 yards, and then Marvin Jones had three for 56. All in all, the passing game for the Lions worked yesterday. That was that was a part that really worked. And my question for you guys is, what did you think of that relative to the Cowboys secondary, where so far this year we haven't really seen them get carved up quite like this, uh, but they were having some struggles yesterday. Bend but don't break is, is what they try to play. They broke a few times. Um but you know, they the Lions made themselves, I think, um, one dimensional. You know, they had a thirty two yard run early in the game with Carry on Johnson, and it looked like they, okay, this is gonna be tough. That was their first play of the game. Yeah. Right? yeah. This is gonna be something, you know, now Stafford's gonna have some help here. And they didn't they didn't utilize that as much. I mean, they only got nine carries overall. Um and I, so I think that you know they they were somewhat one dimensional, and when they got they got down there, and and that the Cowboys did a nice job of just picking their spots and and getting some timely sacks. I mean, it was just it was just one of those shootout, not like high scoring shootouts, but it was just one of those games where, you know, quarterback who has the ball last is going to win, and the Cowboys were were probably fortunate that that touchdown came with two seventeen to go and not under the two minute warning. That's yeah. I mean, we say that. That's my biggest pet peeve. Like the Cowboys leave the opposing quarterback too much time. The Lions did it yesterday. I don't. It it seems ridiculous that Carryon Johnson only had the had nine carries, but I mean, I thought the run defense did a good job of really buckling down. After I mean, thirty two yards on the first play. The next one goes for four, then negative one, uh, then one, then three. Which no no disrespect to him i don't know why they're trying to make legarrett blunt a thing when they have carry on johnson like right. i mean unless it's like the goal line i'm i like that guy a lot but i don't know when maybe they just when you have that match a favorable matchup like that i mean they were doing whatever they wanted to through the air so yeah. maybe they could have tried to wear the defense down a little bit more running it but it's hard to argue against the numbers that they put up which ironically I thought Cheeto and Byron both played really well. Yep. And begs the question, who didn't? Everybody else. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everybody but else. But look, That's, I think this kind of defense works against this kind of quarterback and this kind of passing game only when your own offense is able to help you out. I think they can do enough to kind of stop it in a way. Obviously, they're still going to allow certain points, but... It only helps you win when your office is also scoring points and helping you keep the game moving. But we'll see how long this offense can play like this. And if they keep playing better and helping out the defense, I think the team can be really good. Good enough to get where we all want them to be at. So are you concerned about the defense at this point? Or was this a result of maybe just a really good passing offense they ran into? And and they didn't get I don't want to because I don't want to overstate this. It wasn't like they got destroyed, in my opinion. I thought the defense played okay. It just wasn't as good as what they've played maybe in some other games this season. But I thought they played okay. What do you guys think from the standpoint of just relatively speaking and big picture speaking about this defense? Well, I think that they're they're pretty good. They are pretty good, and they've got some some uh, playmakers there, especially with with Demarcus. Uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, um, we, we'll see. I mean, today uh, is the first day that um, uh, David Irving can come back. I'm not sure exactly what, what his role is going to be or if, if he's even going to be 
on the roster this week. I, th- I believe they have a one-week exemption. They do have a one-week exemption. If they feel like he's not ready, they can wait a week. And, and, and so I, they don't have to make a move. They just right. need to have him in the building and right. start getting acclimated. And, and right. that's important because of what happened to Antoine Woods. He's hurt, and I don't know if he'll be able to play next week. What was his injury? Calf injury. Yeah. And a big guy like that has a calf injury that he's ruled out of the game. It could be somewhat – you know, somewhat serious enough where he he might not play. I think Jerry even said he won't play next week, right? He said he doesn't know if he'll be available. Doesn't know if he'll be. So, Which, they, well, for Jerry to say that. Right. And to say that this but, early in the but week. But to yeah. get Irving on the team, you're going to have to cut someone. So who do you cut? And knowing that you have to not only replace Woods, you know. And, you got a lot of, got a well, lot of receivers. It does, it does beg the question. Unless you cut Woods. Well, but it does beg the question. Or Terrence Williams did not play this. He was not active this week. Did not practice at the end of last week, and this was not injury related. Bryce so, Butler also got a grand total of no snaps. No, I get so. it, but I'm just saying that the fact that that all came about at the end of last week and going into the game on Sunday, does that beg the question that maybe there's something afoot there? Maybe sure. Yeah, but, sounds good. I, you, <laughs> that's you're right. an easy move. You're right. I, no, but, yeah, I'm just saying yeah, it yeah, seems no, like it's logical well, at that point, right? Well, we've, we've covered this uh, extensively, haven't we? I, mean, it's I don't know. It's not logical, actually. It's not okay. practical either yeah. right now just to cut him. Let's see what happens. Remember, he counts about $3 million right now. If you cut him, he counts five. There's no reason to do that. And you got plenty of cap room. You, you, you do, <laughs> unless you're going to. You're not make wrong. A, make I'm a trade. Saying, or they got something. so much cap room. You're not wrong. Unless they make a trade. For who? I mean, let's we can go and we can go and into what we've been talking about for the last. Three they months. could, you know, they could flip a seventh no. round pick or something no. like that over to uh, to him. To Earl. We are going to talk about that tomorrow, actually, because I, I do want to kind of wrap this whole safety thing up. Dave showed me some numbers a day that just kind of blow your mind, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Let's save the whole safety conversation. Well, all right, let's save. If you want to, but I mean, I was going to say, do I have to say it? Because the safeties didn't look good yesterday. No, we. I want to talk and about our safeties. That was actually going to be the next direction I went, but you, I'm talking about the other stuff. You appear to have two cornerbacks who can play on the boundary and do a good job. I am i don't know the numbers. I know Cheeto gave up some catches. I defy you to tell me what he could have done better yes. in most of those yeah. situations. Those were all covered well. Byron Jones, uh, you know, ESPN, I'm not saying that they're – the end-all, be-all. I think we probably know this team much better than they do, but they gave him the most improved player in the year in the league award through a quarter of the season. Ooh, Byron? Yes. So I can't argue that. These two corners are playing really well. I don't know about literally anybody else in the secondary. I've long been a defender of Jeff Heath. I think it is well worth pointing out that he's dealing with about four different injuries right now. But he was still on the field. I mean, if and you can, yesterday was not a good day. If you can get on the field, I can't complete. I mean, I I get it. Everybody's fighting through injuries. I understand that. But he had he. I mean, he he was named the starter at the start of last season, and I think that was probably his worst game in that time stretch where he was named a starter. I mean, the play on the sideline on Tate's first touchdown is. I mean, it sounds... Use the sideline, right? It sounds stupid. Like, you know, we're like, oh, I could have made that play. Like, no, you couldn't. You're not in the NFL. Right, but but a, if you are a lot NFL. of people probably could have made that play. Like, you just have to shove him out of bounds. Yep. Um, not a great day. I mean, what, what, do you wanna, what do you want me to say, Amber? Like, we've been talking about these safeties since March. <laughs> uh, they, it looks troubling. This I always say Rod Marinelli's defenses are so good at not giving up chunk touchdowns. They don't do it very often. Well, that's three in two games. That's not good. It's a troubling trend. I already told you, safety doesn't really matter. Clearly. 
I mean, <laughs> no, not at all. So that's how, I mean, that's how 18-yard completions turn into 45-yard touchdowns, straight up. Well, well, we'll save the conversation on what they can do to try to address that till tomorrow because uh, I think there's there's definitely some conversation to be had there about what they could have done versus what's available right. to them now. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about Demarcus Lawrence. Yesterday, he had eight tackles. He led the team in tackles, at least at the initial outset, um, and then had three sacks. Um, he is playing phenomenally this year, again, <laughs> after the second year. And it's just, it, to me, it's just amazing. Talk about Demarcus Lawrence and what he's providing for this defense at this point. Well, I mean, they didn't, like I said, I don't think they had a ton of, of uh, pass rush yesterday, but he did. I mean, he he had an unbelievable game. I think he didn't have a, a lot of help. I think Tyrone Crawford uh, played well uh, from from the middle, but you know we're not seeing really a lot out of Gregory. Tacos okay. So for him to be able to to kind of do it all by himself yesterday, I thought that was what was really big. I mean, he's. I would throw Tyrone in there too. I just yeah. I thought he played. Pretty oh, I thought well. so too. He had a really good game. Hidden hidden stats, you know, when you play defensive tackle, I think he was disruptive. But I agree with the overall point. I mean, hey, I'm guilty. I I jumped on that Randy Gregory hype train super hard in the preseason, and I'm so surprised. Like it's I, not I there. keep watching, and it's like he completely disappeared. And before coming into the regular season, we were talking about him like, oh my god, this beast guy is oh. just gonna come in here and kill every quarterback hey no we i mean we go we go based on what we see against this team like well he's beating tyron smith regularly that's that's amazing well tyron smith has not had the best first month yeah. of his career so yeah. it's all stuff to keep in mind um yeah i mean i think taco's been fine tyrone had a good game but demarcus lawrence is insane i actually i asked jerry jones last night i was like I was like, are you starting to think about the fact at all that you're probably going to have to talk about some pretty big numbers with him soon? And Jerry was like, well, his number's pretty big right now. And I was like, you're right. And in the back of my in my head, I was like, it's going to be, be big. bigger. It's going to be bigger. <laughs> it's going to be bigger. Yeah. So it's, I mean, five and a half sacks, he leads the league. He's got 20 in his last 20 games. Not to get too the, far into that. Go ahead. The good thing about that, when he says that his number is really big right now, 17 million, it's because... That's that's important because it's sitting there on the cap, and next year, like his cap number, let's say they they signed him to this monster deal, it'll it won't be, be seventeen million, you know. So you you have it now, you're absorbing it. It'll be less than that, and you'll still get a really big number. I agree, and I hope you're right. It's only week four; we'll see. But I hope I hope they don't try to play tag with him again. No, Just get it. Oh. Well, you saw you no, saw what happened there in in uh, in with the Rams. I mean, they did that how many times? Like. Two yeah. or three years, yeah, and that was the best defensive player in the league. That's what I'm in the league. When they, I mean, whether it's fair or not, whether he's as good of a player or not, when it comes time to talk contract with Demarcus Lawrence, he's looking like he's going to have the resume to ask for yeah. Khalil Mack money. Yeah, and, and it's up to the Cowboys if they want to pay that. I, and he's done everything that you've wanted a, a franchise player to be i mean like he signed it immediately he's not yeah. playing around he didn't he didn't showed up for he everything. didn't make make an issue out of it he's still a leader he doesn't look like he's a sitting on the, a one-year deal he doesn't i mean he's he he's upset about losing i mean he he wants to win um and i just think it's it he's done it everything right he's playing under he's playing well i think that they reward him he he they only not only need it but he's deserved it talk about leadership i just the way he kind of pulls that whole oh, yeah. line defensive line together and and creates that bond creates that 
that camaraderie creates whatever it is that makes teams work. It's true. Like he is really, you can see, you can see his leadership. You really can. Yeah. And that you're right about that. I mean, what, how else would we be interviewing Daniel Ross and stuff like that? I mean, like, but they're, they're in the group, you know, they're in the club. So like he, he's put them in there and, and he's, and he made sure, Hey, change your number here. Do this. Let's be all together. I mean, yeah. he's, he's done it. But the best part is, is he's going out and getting three sacks on. Matthew yeah, oh, Stafford. There you go. And that, that's the first start. But we've seen guys that have produced and not, they weren't those kind of leaders. Like they could produce and say you could it. say, follow me. Yeah, I mean, DeMarcus where? wasn't that kind of right. leader. DeMarcus was a great player, extremely great player. Right. He wasn't that kind of leader. No, you're right. I would even say, and I don't mean this as a knock at all, but like Jason Witten and Sean Lee, they're they're tremendous leaders. They have tremendous passion, but it, it still feels like different. Like it's like there's a respect there, yeah. but they're kind of older and stuffy in a way. Like you know, like DeMarcus Lawrence is one of Anything the guys, but stuffy. <laughs> he's he is fun. He's one of the guys. He yeah. is, you know, he's a guy that. Antoine Woods, who's you know barely made the team as an undrafted guy, like he feels just as comfortable with him as Taco, who's a first round pick. Right, I think yeah. it's a fun, different sort of leadership to see from what we've been used to with guys like that's, Witten. That's interesting that you say that because do you think Demarcus Lawrence really wants Taco to have like six or seven sacks, eight sacks, be really good? Yeah, I do too. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Do you think Witten ever wanted Gavin Escobar <laughs> to have fifty catches? Probably or Martellus Martellus Bennett. Bennett? Probably not. Or Fasano. I mean, just keep going down the list. I mean, it's a different dynamic, yeah. you know. Obviously, because you can only have one. Well, no, you can have more than one tight end on the field. But yeah, you, I yeah. Mean, this team loves to have that. Yeah, they do. They actually, they <laughs> love that. Yeah, yeah. That should it's. Take I, but those else. those are the best kind of leaders <laughs> when they put themselves within the group and not a little step above you. And Demarcus, he he's amazing. Pure entertainment on the field, off the field, and he has the kind of energy that is absolutely contagious. There's no way that you're around <laughs> him and you're not better. He's thinking about yeah. that quote yesterday. Oh yeah, that was Which awesome. One? Which one? Uh, just the, the quote. Demarcus Lawrence does not care Go if there's it. a camera in his face or not. No, he doesn't. He's Straight up, um, somebody you know, we were talking to him, and somebody was like, "Are you keeping track?" He. The Lions had given up three sacks this season. He had three. So we're like, you know, are you keeping track during the course of the game? Like, oh, that's two. That's three. And he's like, I don't pay attention to that. I know when I drag a person's boop in the dirt. <laughs> Except he doesn't censor himself. He never no, he does. He, he never, never does. does. Um, he's He's been. Rhymes <laughs> with my name. Yeah. He's, Hilarious. you know, they drafted him 34th overall. He's pretty much been good from the minute they got him. He got hurt as a rookie. Yep. Playoff sacks as a rookie. Had eight sacks when he had Greg Hardy helping him out in his second year. Played through injuries, but like, so he's been good this whole time. But like, it's he is a revelation on what he has become. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that I ever expected him to be like a cornerstone type of player. Yeah, but that's certainly what he is. And it's is. not even just the defensive line. I mean, he takes ownership of that defense. Yeah. Uh, last night in the locker room, Leighton Vanderesh was over giving an interview. Of course, there was a bunch of media. So. Tyrone Crawford's giving him giving him a lot of flack about the fact that there's a bunch of people around him. And then here comes DeMarcus. He runs over there and gets behind him. And he's like, way to go, young fella. And, you know, it's just kind of that you could tell there was a certain level of respect that Layton had for DeMarcus when he was standing there beside him. Because the question, actually, that he just answered was about DeMarcus and how much DeMarcus helps the rest of the defense. But there's just you, – I mean, you nailed it. They, the, you can tell that the rest of that defense how much they respect what he does. And it's genuine. It's not genuine. just for the cameras. Right. It's absolutely exactly genuine. Because we've seen situations where it's kind of like, yeah, he's our leader, and then the cameras turn off and the eyes kind of roll, right? You've seen that before. I think it's really genuine. These guys really respect him like that. And he plays like that. 
And so they command, he commands that respect, right? Yeah. All right, so let's take our final break. Let's come back. Uh, we're going to get into the five plays of the game that you should not miss. Nick wrote an article, as he does every Sunday, uh, following the game. And uh, we'll talk about those, those plays when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. While a player can look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than specs and features as well. you got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. To experience one for yourself, visit your local Texas John Deere dealer or go to myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at Stetson.com today. Back to the break. Crunch time is when you've got to stay cool. Brett Maher. And nobody's better at keeping you cool under pressure than Tommy John. Tommy John's underwear is moisture wicking fabrics to keep germs and perspiration at bay. That means no discomfort, no adjustment. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. Get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. Go get some good underwear. Thank you, Nick. Yesterday wasn't a Tommy John Cowboys day, was it? Mm, I'm not doing that anymore. That was, that was, that was, bad. Work. That was bad luck for yesterday. Superstitions aren't real, just so y'all know. Yeah, they they real for some people. I don't like I don't like that anyways though. I'm not doing that anymore. What? Just not for me. The Cowboys. But for fans, do it. I love them. They felt great. Yeah. We just do it. Win, go so. go Cowboys all the way from top to bottom. Hey, Dak Prescott's performance is not determined by what kind of underwear you're wearing. Or what Are jersey you, you sure wore the game. That? Yes, I am. Positive about that. It'll like let your mind be free. You know? It's not <laughs> Isn't that a song? Probably. Okay. All right. All right, let's get back into it. We gotta talk about these five plays. Nick, that's my sheet. Leave it alone. Okay. Um, let's talk about these five plays. Let's see if Nick can remember the five mm, plays. That's right. Um, we can remember the, the score plays. of the Texans game from two thousand two. So. Nineteen to ten. See? One of these days, we're going to have a challenge on this show where we're going to just throw dates out at Nick. Like, Cowboys, just on this day. Make sure they're not in the last three years because yeah. I don't know anything. And we'll, and we'll let Nick just was. say the score and amaze fans. Okay. Like, it's amazing. All right, go ahead. Cool. All right, so five plays. These were the five plays yesterday that you should not miss 
because they had a bigger impact on the game than you may have thought at the time. Let's start with the first one. Lions fell to pin Cowboys deep. Nick, tell us what happened. On well, that it was the first drive of the game for the for the uh, Lions. They got down inside the 50 punt. It looked like they got the ball down on the one-yard line, and then I don't know exactly the player's name, but his toe was right there on the end. Touchback. How significant is that? The Cowboys get nine yards on the next drive. And if, and if they're conservative at the 20, they're going to be conservative at the one. They're going to be punting out of that. And, and instead of the Lions getting the next possession at the 30, they probably get it at midfield. That's that's a field goal at least right there. Just those inches right there. So I thought that was a big one. Yep, that was a huge one. All right, next one. D-Log gets to Stafford before halftime. They're driving right before halftime. And they, you know, they're at like the 45-yard line. they got a minute 13 to go. And a nine-yard sack there just changed the whole, you know, outlook for what the Lions were trying to do. They had an easy chance to go down and get a field goal, and they needed 15, 20 more yards. By doing that, now you wonder, do the Cowboys want to be aggressive and get the ball back? It just kind of set them on their heels a little bit. I thought that was they needed a defensive stop big time there. That's one of the interesting things here, too, is Demarcus Lawrence, it's not just sacks. It's sacks in moments Time, in games when you need yes. them. Like, that was always one of the big knocks people would have for Demarcus. He'd get these sacks, and it was like, was it yeah, really at a time? Did it really change the yeah, game? Yeah, were you really yeah. were you getting right. sacks when you needed them? Um, I kind of disagreed a little bit at the time because I thought there were some games where he made some of those. But I think Demarcus Lawrence, you see that quite a bit. Yeah. When you need a sack, need a play. he's a guy that goes and gets yeah, you one. Right? Definitely. Uh, let's talk about Dak finds Beasley near the end zone. You know, third and 10 on the 12-yard line, and he's got some pressure, and he sidearms it to to Beasley. And Beasley did a nice job, too, of stretching out everything he's got to get nine yards and, and get close to that. They don't kick – they kick a field goal there for sure. It's, I think it's 20 to um, 17, I believe is the score. No, 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 no. It's, um, it's actually 13 13- – to 10 uh, at that point and they're definitely going to kick a field goal to make it 16 to 10 if they don't get that but fourth and one on the two different different possession for sure jarwin's fumble recovery yep. actually should have been on there too because that was a huge fumble recovery because yes. yes you don't get the touchdown but if the lions would have got it it's a touchback so that was actually a big play there yep huge all right, and uh, Lions penalty leads to field goal. It was right. It was twenty to seventeen, Cowboys. It was that drive that everyone you know hates when they got down in the goal line. But um, third and seven, I think like at the forty-five, throw to Gallup, incomplete. The Lions lined off, lined up offside. Eli Harold. Now it's third and two. What are you going to do with it, Zeke? First down. They drive. Of course, they don't get the touchdown, uh, but they still get a field goal and take some time off the clock. It would have been. A different game because then if you don't get that field goal i mean you're down by four if the Lions score so that one was big and then the fifth one was we already talked about it was just don't forget how important it was for dak to pick up that fumble roll out there and make keep it at third and three i said this yesterday but it really i mean football is so amazing because i mean it's been eight months talking about it and then it boils down to like 65 snaps on a sunday and if Deshaun Hand comes up from that play a little bit differently and sees the ball, yeah, or if it just bounces differently, hitting the ground the and pile. It's like, it not, I mean, Can't not only everything. game's over. Cowboys are one and three. We're talking about how they ignored Ezekiel Elliott on the four yard line against the worst run defense in the league, which is still stupid, by the way, and just because they won. And threw it to Rico. And threw it to Rico. I'm not against. I'm not uh, against either. I'm but. against it in the sense that. If the guy can only come into the game in one scenario and the defense knows what's coming, is it really that but useful? He played. Yeah, he played more snaps. Like that, that, no, 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 but I'm talking about specifically when you throw the fade to him. Like, I just. It, See, you're telegraphing it. I, <laughs> Dak I had some great throws. That one was not. That yeah. one was a fastball that, 
I mean, you're not going to hit the scoreboard. Laugh it up there. And honestly, they got what they wanted. They got him isolated on a smaller player. That's what they're trying to do on that play. So the fact is, the play call was the right play call. The problem was they didn't connect on it. And Mm -hmm. that, to me, when you don't connect on that kind of play, to me, that's about the fact that you obviously haven't done that enough. That should be muscle memory. That kind of play needs to be muscle memory to where I know when I throw it to the end zone, to this guy, because he's bigger than the other guy, I know exactly where to place it. He knows exactly where it's going to be. He can go up. He can secure the ball. Touchdown. Like To me, that's just about practicing that more because they got what they wanted out of the play i can't go there with you which you know i even what i've heard people talk about it like the end of super bowl 49 you know the mike the malcolm butler pick the seahawks should have run clearly but you can even convince me like an nfl defense that's geared up for that call is going to stop it every time i understand it's hard but four yard line Worst run defense in the league. Second down. Second down. Second the play. Yeah, and let's not let's exactly. I refuse to believe it's not as easy as just running it three times. I you will score. Even if it takes till fourth down, you will score. I'm not at all saying that I prefer to throw it to Rico over running the ball. What I'm saying though is, I don't think, and this could have come at another point in the game. My point is that when you get in that situation, if you've got that, if you get that matchup where you can isolate Rico with a smaller guy. That's still a good play call. Now, yeah, you're right. If you're lined up there at the four, the way that game was going against this rush defense, run the ball all day. I get that. Run the ball all day. But there are going to be teams that are better run defenses where I think that play to Rico becomes a viable option if they can get to the point where run it, it is a run it, it is in a, practice a place then. Yeah, run, run it in practice, yeah, not absolutely. in nut cutting time. To well, I mean, Garrett. that second and four that when he rolled out and threw as I called it a mini hail mary i mean to swaim and hail mary gallop they're all in i mean like what why that play that's the one i don't like third and four your higher percentage i mean letting a guy go up there and get a rebound that's what he should have done like get up there so he can get a rebound but second and four that one that play was bad and you're right if they don't win that game that's exactly what you that's what we're reading that's what we would have talked about for the first half hour instead of waiting until there's 10 minutes left in the show which But again, that's it's so. I mean, it's it's agonizing, but it's so much fun because literally, if Dak doesn't field that ball the way he's supposed to, we're talking hot seat, we're talking play calling, we're talking like, oh, Dak was better, but it still wasn't good enough. Yep. You know, the sky would one hundred percent be falling. You know, right now. on um, the third and or no, after the fumble recovery by Jarwin, now it's first and goal on the one yard line, two yard line. You know, they actually went, they took Rico out of the game, put in Cameron Fleming as a backup uh, tackle to be, you know, your third tight end. And then they throw it to Swaim for the touchdown. So, you know, they, it's not always Rico down there as the third tight end. That Cameron Fleming was the third tight end. Funny. This is, I feel like this is something you would say, but I just think it's funny. Like, Jeff Swaim scored his first career touchdown, but all three of the tight ends had a shot at their first career touchdown because I thought Jarwin scored on the fumble. I, did too. I didn't know I that. So too, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously Rico had a chance at that fade. So just you did not like that rule. You're like, that's a dumb rule. It is a dumb rule. <laughs> it's a stupid rule. And I, I get it. I understand. Like, you know, you know, I think about the Jimmy Graham play that what was that like 2010? Yeah. Or 2011? Saints. Yeah. I, I can understand the point, but like I don't know. It's just it seems arbitrary. Like up, if if it's fumbled backward, then it's legal. But if it's fumbled forward, then it's dead. And blah blah. Like that's stupid. I could like, just see like for instance the Super Bowl. I don't even know if that was fourth down. Probably wasn't. I'm talking about the Rams and Titans where that guy catches a slant and he's going for the end zone and he's tackled and it's like fumble it into the end zone. Then it's like you know what I mean. Of course, why why can't you just do that on third down? Well, because well, you. Well, but the, the thing about it is, if it's a if it's a forward fumble, 
then that's if he's past the line of scrimmage, that's equivalent to an illegal pass, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's my point. Like that's that's probably why the rule is. But that. that's what I'm saying. That's probably why the rule is in place. Probably, and it, yeah, because I mean, it can swing. A, like that Saints Cowboys game is crazy. The Saints yeah. gained like 40 yards on a fumble, but but if that's third down, it's a touchdown by Jarwin. Yeah, but it just, just it's weird that. You know, like you should be able to go back and review. Like, okay, did he do it on purpose? No. <laughs> All right. I mean, if you can review a football move, why can't yeah, you review that? that? Ball like, just popped up in the air. I mean, talk about how bad. You know, we're talking about how Zeke last week had a really good performance, but he had the, the miscues. Yeah. You know, that could have been. It yeah. could have been, been disastrous. Been yeah, could have been disastrous. Uh, one other thing I did want to hit on. Um, we talked a little bit about Sean Lee. The linebackers, though, yesterday I thought played really well between Jalen Smith. Um, and Leighton Vander Esch, uh, I think Jalen had seven seven tackles. Leighton had six. They seemed to be moving around the field really well. It didn't seem like uh, there were a lot of ill effects from not having Sean Lee there. But when you think about the grand the, the overall perspective, we don't think the defense played as well yesterday as they have p- played before. Do you think that maybe there is a part of that is because they didn't have Sean Lee on the field? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't have an all pro player. I mean, there's only two all pros on this defense, and Sean Lee's one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not good. And, you know, they went away from the run, as Nick pointed out, but they were, I mean, they averaged five yards per carry. So, it certainly, it was not an amazing effort. I, like, I judge linebackers just in the flow of the game by, like, are you active? Are you near the ball? Do you look like you're flowing to it and you're not lost? And that's, Jalen and Leighton both looked good from that standpoint. I'm positive there were some missed tackles and some plays they'll want back, but it well, was, it's not the same, like not the disaster we've seen in right. the past when Sean Lee wasn't. In it there. was an encouraging sign. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There, but. there was a point in the game. I think it was um, right before halftime. Uh, a little short pass to Theo Riddick, Riddick in, in in the left flat and. He had some blockers, and Vander Esch did a nice job of getting – he kind of knifed through all of them and just made the tackle for two yards. I mean, that was one that looked like he's going to get blocked and then it's going to be 20, 30 yards. That was a really big tackle in the game, and that showed those instincts of Sean Lee like to be able to kind of slither here and bend here and get here. And It was and, a and, very Sean Lee-esque play. For sure. Well, that was, a, that was a big one. That, that's one that's like – and I think I even tweeted this. Like, if this is the – you know, this is the floor, and he's going to get better. Like, this is pretty good. Yeah, and you combine that with Jalen and how he's playing. Yeah. You might have yourself something that you're working with here at linebacker, defense. which <laughs> which, which is, I think, important. Like, when you start thinking about the future of this defense, if you can get those corners to continue to develop and those two linebackers continue to develop, and by some chance you happen to go out and get a safety, you might actually be working with something here. Derwin. Derwin James that's is a pretty good defense. That's a pretty good defense. <laughs> Derwin James is lighting it up. He is. But I can't hate on the pick. Leighton looks pretty damn good, yeah. all things considered. Yep. So. And you and honest, honestly, if you didn't make that pick, you might be sitting here today saying Cowboys need a linebacker bad. Because it may yeah. have been one of those situations where you oh, don't yeah. have Sean a lead, Leaser, which we yeah. knew. Yeah, we knew at some point there was probably a good chance that Sean was going to miss a game or two or whatever. And at that point, if that would have happened then they may not have had the results uh, where the linebackers played really well. The linebackers could have been the problem yesterday you also or whatever day. probably wouldn't have Michael Gallup, which he's not lighting the world on fire, but the arrow is Is there any third-round guard that's doing well starting as a rookie? Because that, that's where it comes down. He's like, well, 
Because right, you're right. Gallup's not really making a big difference at receiver. I don't really know. I don't know how Will Hernandez is doing for the Giants. I mean, they're one and that's three. That's second so. round, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Connor I'm, Williams is. I mean, right, but I'm I'm trying to. Oh, well, third third round. I because I because I know what I wanted to do with my yeah sentences. yeah yeah fifty. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but the other thing too is when you think about Gallup, like to me that pick is not a pick for this year. When you take a wide receiver in the third round, your expectation is not that he's going to come in and immediately He'll light it up okay. for you. He'll be he's good. making a couple. I don't think mm-hmm. so for me. I, I think wide receiver is one of the hardest positions to adapt to in the NFL. I expect to see him contributing a lot more next year, and by his third year, that's when I expect to see I, him be a guy that I, can When was the Bronco for. game, uh, that 51-48? October 2013. About a f- fifth, sixth game? Fifth game or sixth. If I remember correctly, Terrence Williams kind of had a slower start. He was a third-round receiver, didn't do a lot. I, actually, it's funny to think about now. He, I don't know if blew up is the right word, but he had a pretty nice day in San Diego that year, which was the fourth game. Yeah. But he fumbled, fumbled trying to line. turn a first down into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, like, sink the game because they were already down by two possessions. But it was just a boneheaded But mistake. came back against Denver. And, and, yeah. And, and that's kind of led to a decent rookie year for him. So, it's, yeah, Gallup might be on I'm not. And, and I think when receivers typically have a pretty good rookie year or a good year rookie year, Typically, they got a great guy on the opposite side of them. He doesn't really have that here. Like, that's I'm not. That's I'm not, not what he's been brought in with. I'm not down on Michael Gallup at all. Me but not. I am a little. Um, I don't even want to say disappointed, but I thought he'd be better. I thought he'd be better quicker, but by no means closing the. You're book still on. a baby. He still needs to mature. Yesterday in the locker room, I, I saw. Google. Yeah, it was like <laughs> just look at his little face. It's like so cute. It's so such like a kid. And yesterday in the locker room, I was watching. They were in a corner, him and Tavon Austin. Uh-huh. Tavon was uh, was helping him put on a bow tie, and it was the cutest thing ever, like, just on their own. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at this. Look at it. So, clearly, there's it's- some some growth there that needs to be happening on and off the field, but it's going to be there. <laughs> These guys are, I wish you guys were yeah. watching right there to see Nick. Not <laughs> that Gallup is a giant. No. These guys are, I mean, they're some of the best athletes in the world. They can do things without thinking about it that I could never do. But, like, every now and then you'll see something funny like that where you're like, oh, you don't know how to tie a tie. No, you give most of them a tie. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, go in the locker room, have you ever noticed that they have a tie? Most most of them have them pre-tied. I'm just like. And they are not taking it loose when they take it off. Like, they're keeping it tied so they can mm -hmm. easily put it back on. And I'm like, all right, maybe my life's not just the complete disaster that I think it is. You know, (laughs) like, I'm doing okay. Right. All right, guys, appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get into some big picture talk. Like I said, we're definitely talking safety tomorrow. Not just safety uh, on this team, but safety around the league and what the Cowboys maybe should have done in the offseason looking at some of the guys around the league and how they're performing. Interesting conversation. We'll do that when we come come back tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eaton, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!